Bryce Harper, you are now on the clock as Manny Machado has struck a deal to be a San Diego Padre. We'll talk about that along with Colin Kaepernick and all the things that happened over the weekend regarding that settlement. Also, Antonio Brown still has lost his damn mind, and we'll cover a little bit of the NBA All-Star Weekend. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. removed from the last show we did on valentine's day and biggie you're the one that made the prediction you said we would have a tremendous free agent signing in the world of major league baseball manny machado is now a daddy so how do you feel the biggest free agent signing in the history of major league baseball that's all that is until bryce harper signs i mean it's the biggest signing in the history of american sports period across the board isn't the Stanton contract worth more overall? Uh, no, per year. Uh, that was 13, 13 years for three twenty five. This was uh, ten for three hundred. So, well, wasn't there some guys yeah. in the past who were in like the thirty two, thirty three million dollar range in baseball? It was the biggest they were free the agent signing. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So, sorry. I just want to make sure I understand. I know. I know it's like definitely top ten all time. I mean, I didn't know the Padres had that type of uh, cash sitting around, but, you know, they've been in the game since the beginning, right? I mean, they've signed the two biggest deals in the last two years. You know, the Hosmer, yeah. eight for 144, and then this for 10 for uh, 300. So they they have some money going somewhere. Are, is it going to mean anything? Will they win any games? Hey, if that farm system turns out to be as good as it's projected to be, <laughs> they could win some games. I mean, they made this signing with – not 2019 in mind. Okay, they have they have to have some pieces to build around, like pitching. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have 10 prospects in the top 100, which several of those are pitchers. I think the highest ones, uh, McKenzie. I think his name is McKenzie Gore, top 15 out of 100. Um, but they have pitching coming up. I think they need more at the major league level. They have Fernando Tatis Jr., who would normally be the top prospect, but this year we got Vlad Jr. So he took that nod. But here's the good thing I like about the Machado part with Tatis. Tatis is a shortstop, short so now Machado is going to play his good defense at third base. Where he can win a gold glove and do so all that. I personally like the deal. I mean, because even though you got the farm system, you got to have the guys to build around. You have Hosmer, now you got Machado. Um, and they have, they have a good catching prospect. They got Tatis at short. They have a good short uh, second base prospect and that pitching guy coming up. So they need a little bit more depth at the starting rotation. But I think people's going to laugh. I mean, about oh the Padres and never never going to make the playoffs. But the Dodgers and the Rockies are going to be worried about the Padres in a few years, and I sincerely believe that. But not this year. Not this year. They might go to a seventy-five win team. I feel like the uh, Padres in that division. Dodgers, the class of that division, they got depth, they got talent, they got unlimited funds. The Padres, as this team comes together in the next two or three seasons, if their prospects pan out, you got Hosmer, who's not that old, uh, Machado, who's young. They're looking at 2021, 22, 23 as being the years they win division and they compete in the playoffs. They're not looking at next year or the year after. I mean, I, I heard some people like try to compare this to the Pujols deal, but it's not even close, right? Because like, how old was Pujols when he signed that deal? 
When you like 33, uh, uh, <laughs> 32, 30, yeah, he was early 30s. Yeah, I think he was 32 to 42. <laughs> and Machado's 26, right? Uh, 25 or 26. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so I mean, you're, you're getting reasonable. him in the prime of his career, Correct. right? Yeah. Here's what I've learned about baseball players and their actual age. Julio Franco was 48, and I, I thought he was 37. So, Danny you Lamonte. know, guys, yeah. Pujols could have been 37 when he got that contract. I mean, Julio was the oldest guy ever to hit home run at like age 48 or 49. So he's probably still playing in the Mexican League right now as we speak. No one can see me, but I love the batting stance. With behind the, your head. The high elbow behind the head. You want to hear an interesting stat? Oh, Sorry, Biggie, but here, real quick. Um, they, was, they was comparing the Robinson Cano deal to the Machado deal. At the end, at the end of the Machado deal, he'll still be younger than uh, Cano is, and Cano's only halfway through his deal right now. That's crazy. Okay, that's, so you shouldn't compare it then. I mean, that's how crazy it is. Like that's Ch- a good deal for the Padres. I think so. It's I mean, because Cano's five years in. Yeah. To me, the uh, 25, 26, 27, If you give him the ten year deal, which I'm not a fan of. You're getting their prime years. It's these guys like Pools can know that are 30, 31, get that deal. It always ends up being a bad deal at that point. All I would say about Machado, if we just sit for a second, we think about this. Anybody who listens to this, you're in your mid-20s. You're good at catching a baseball, throwing a baseball, and hitting a baseball. You have $300 million guaranteed. You live in San Diego, which has the best weather in the country. So you're saying his body shape's going to look more like uh, CC Sabathia now? I would trend that direction, but then I'm a fat white guy anyway. <laughs> uh, that didn't take long. I don't. <laughs> I would be worried. Oh, Sorry. I would be worried about his conditioning. I mean, like just just his character that's out in the media. No one really. I mean, we don't truly know what his true roots is for a player, but. I mean, he's gotten paid now, so I would be kind of worried, you know, is he going to take care of himself, or is he like, I'm just glad I'm paid, I'm on the beaches in San Diego. Money changes you. Oh, yeah, I hear you. So is the is his reputation that bad, or is it just overblown a little bit? He's a bitch on the field. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> that stuff. Uh, Try again. Machado's a bitch on the field. The stuff that he pulls, like – that's school grade stuff where you don't like the guy playing first base because I'm going to step on his foot. Yeah. That's just dumb stuff. Don't do that. Of the guys out there for the big time contracts that are due. I would worry about Machado. I think he's super talented, but you paid him. I don't think that he is a guy who loves the game. I think Harper loves the game and he loves his image. Machado. He loves the money. I think there's been a few instances where Machado, he had some uh, situations where it was blown up in the media. There was one point when uh, Donaldson was with the Oakland Athletics. Machado was batting. He purposely slung his bat down there while he's playing third base. He came came up at one point and spiked a second baseman on the Red Sox. And then he also obviously had the spiking incident running down the first baseline, which was greatly amplified because it was playoff baseball. But uh, I'm I'm not so much he's like a bad attitude so much, but I I mean I haven't heard rave reviews about him being a good teammate either. So I mean that is kind of worrisome. You got all these great prospects coming up as, and that's what they see as a superstar. How he acts, it's not really a good uh, first impression for a, a can't miss prospect to see. 
Well, I mean, like Charles Barkley said, I am not a role model. Yeah. And and Machado's not. He's getting paid. And, but, like, I don't think he's a clubhouse cancer. I haven't seen that. I think he's a guy that, you know, plays uh, plays a little bit of lo- loose at times. What, what's the nickname we got for him that, that I keep hearing? Because he said, I'm not, I'm not ever going to be Johnny Hustle. I'm not that type of guy. And, and I know we've seen that where, you know, he, he hasn't ran out you know, the first base on a ground ball and stuff like that. But does that mean he's a bad player? Like, does he make your team better? I mean, I, I think unanimously that that's definitely a yes, right? I think that his talent alone, regardless of his attitude, he improves your team. There's no way you can say that having him play every day doesn't improve your team. You can say that he's not a good teammate or he doesn't play the game that you would like to see it played, but his talent is above average. And then above that, well, I mean, he's he's a top, probably top ten, you know, left side of the infield guy, maybe top five third baseman. Dude, he's uh, an elite player. I period. Mean, I, I mean, he uh, he's he's like if you're the Padres, like you gotta love this, right? Like if you're a Padres fan, you can't be upset. Like you just went out and signed one of the biggest free agents that there was, and he is a he is a like you said, an elite talent. Think about it this way. He, across the board with stats, did better than Padres shortstops and third basemen's combined last year by himself. No, he can he can hit the long ball. He can hit for average. Like you can't be upset with him hitting thirty five home runs and over a hundred RBIs every year, right? No, absolutely not. But everybody they played at those positions last year, like the four or five or how many we're talking about between those two positions, he only he was only behind him in like by fifteen RBIs, but he beat him everything else. So. Let me ask you this though. So they're they're saying we we know that Bryce Harper is forever tied to Machado because of this offseason, right? So one of the knocks I've heard we'll talk about Harper. I heard he's going to get more money. Like that that's been out there a lot. Absolutely. And you know, I I think there's a couple of reasons why you can cite that that's the case. Is Machado a victim of his own success from playing in the AL East in those in those hitter friendly ballparks? Is, is or maybe those numbers elevated a little bit, you know? And is he going to fall back down to earth playing in those NL West ballparks, with the exception of Coors, obviously? But how's that going to go? Because, like, let's be honest, Baltimore is like Coors East, right? It's a nice launching pad. The numbers he's put up to this point in his career to earn this contract, he will not need on a regular year in and year out basis from here on out because. The AL East, the parks they play in, yes, there are some good pitchers. Guess what? <laughs> a bad swing on a good fastball puts you out in the right field in Yankee Stadium. I feel like he is a super talented guy whose numbers are a little inflated. They're going to go down quite a bit from what they have been. People are going to feel like he isn't earning the money he was paid, but the difference is in his ability, it's where he's playing. On a regular basis. So is there pressure is there more pressure on anyone else right now more than the Philadelphia Phillies? <laughs> I, I absolutely love this scenario. And you're absolutely right. The Phillies have to sign Bryce Harper. If they don't sign Bryce Harper, this offseason's a complete bust because their owner it's a disaster. He came out at the beginning of the offseason and said, We're gonna spend money and we're gonna spend it recklessly. <laughs> I mean, but you gotta get people to come there. They, 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 they overpaid for uh, McCutcheon. Three years, $50 million, which is a complete over 
payment for him. But if they don't get Bryce Harper and the Giants somehow get Bryce Harper, that's a terrible offseason for the Phillies, and I love every minute of it. Well, you know the Nats are really staying in this more than anything, right, just to keep the Phillies a little on the rocks in this. Like, I don't think he's going back to the Nats. I mean, there's a possibility. I think there is, and then I'm going to tell you why real quick, because – they are, they already offered him a $300 million deal before the offseason started, and he turned it down. By Machado getting $300 a million, this at least shows the Nats were in the ballpark from the beginning because Harper thought he was going to get $400 million, and that's not happening. Well, uh, Biggie, what do you think Harper's going to get? He won't get $400. There's no way. I think he's going to get about uh, $315 million, $320 million. He's going to break whatever Machado did because – that's who he is. That's who his agent is. But it's that four hundred million that we heard when it started forty million a year. It's not happening. Don't Low see. side three twenty five. I think he's going to get around three fifty. I think three hundred and a penny. <laughs> so he's just enough to say it's more than Machado, yeah, right? Yeah. No way. You can't go over Bob. He's so at we, this point. Don't you think there's like a forty five? 50% chance he goes back to Nationals. With the deal they put on the table to start with, he hasn't signed with anybody. He knows the organization. They've been winning. They have good players around him. They're in the playoffs. They up their offer a little bit, and that's where he goes back to at least for five years. But there's no – there's it's only five years if he gets traded or if they have this weird five-year option. And I guess we don't – like when the Machado deal, we don't have all the details yet, right? Like just we've heard things. I mean, it's not been finalized. That's so not like hundred percent definite, but right. So I mean, we'll withhold you know some of those rumors because it could be all over the place. But I, I'm telling you right now, if Machado got three hundred, Harper is getting at least three twenty five, and I think now, now that you got the first domino to fall, you're going to see the pressure and the urgency creep up even harder for teams like the Phillies, like the Nats, like the Giants. Yeah, maybe the White Sox can come back in this. <laughs> they get Machado either, but what's going to happen is they're going to he's he's got the agent. They're going to pit these guys against each other. Watch what's going to happen and watch him walk away with three hundred and fifty. I'm telling you right now, that's what he's going to get. So, Mister Brown, you're the most tied into baseball of any of us. If there's one surprise team out there, we haven't heard what I've heard. It's it's down to the Phillies and the Giants for Bryce Harper. What one team do you think at this point could jump in and say he's our guy at thirty-five million a year? I mean, honestly, I think that uh, if the, if if the Yankees wanted it, it could be the Yankees. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be anybody other than the Yankees or the Phillies. I don't know if the Giants can go that high. Uh, the Nationals are there too. I mean, I, you never really know. I mean, it's kind of been quiet. Like everything that's been going around rumor wise, it's been very confidential. I mean, if the Padres can spin that type of Jack, anybody can pretty much anybody can. I'm I'm curious. And there might be a dark horse team come out of the woodworks. Now they just kind of waiting to see what happened with Machado to see what the level would be for Harper. There might be some more teams step up now and be like, you know what? We might be able to do this because it's not near the 400. We thought. So let's all make a prediction. Give me one out of left field team you think could be in the running that we might hear sometime in the next day or two. Biggie, give me one team. Atlanta Braves. Uh, <laughs> I wish that's not happening. That ain't happening. Uh, if we're going to go that route, I mean, to me, I mean, it's not really out of the – there's no really out of the woodworks that I don't – Well, can we think haven't of. heard people, so, I mean, there's got to be. 
I don't know if anybody wants to spend money. So, I mean, I think the, the dark horse here could be the White Sox falling back as a backup ah, plan. You took mine. Sorry. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what's crazy is the White Sox, they're a small market team in Chicago. Is, is that even a thing? Is that possible? It's, like, it's crazy. Like the Cubs are like the A team and the B team. And then you kind of have the White Sox. But they have the best farm system in the AL. Well, then that that's where you're at, though. You got these teams that you, you have you have two schools of thought. We're going to go spend some money on free agency or trust the process. We're going to go off this farm system for the next three or four years, and, and this year we're going to win 60 games. Next year we're going to win 70. And the year after that we're going to win 75, but don't lose the faith because eventually we're going to break out through to the other side. <laughs> There's a lot of big name teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see them spend the money. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the one team I think you could end up with that hasn't been mentioned just because they have the money to spend and who Bryce Harper tends to be is the Dodgers. They got the money. They can spend it. He wants to be a Hollywood guy. If they signed a contract and he was with the Dodgers for the next 10 years, it wouldn't surprise me. I won't dispute that. Six-time division champs. They just need that guy to put them over the top. So if the Phillies end up screwing up, any chance they'll go after the claw closer and Keuchel and try to get both of them guys? That's absolutely their backup plan. If they miss out on Harper, they're going for both of those. I mean, that's just it's going to happen. You know the greatest moment in Phillies history is when that fucking fat slob, Ryan Howard, hit a little dribbler out of the box to end their playoff hopes. And he tried to bust out of the box and he blew his Achilles. That's the best moment in Philly's history. No, the best moment in Philly history is Joe Carter <laughs> jumping around first base in the, uh, ni- in the 92 series. 93, I'm sorry. 93. The the yeah. A lot of psychiatrists made money off of Mitch Williams. Wow, dang. A lot of, a lot of hate here for the Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, much to the chagrin of, of probably most of the audience, they're probably all tired of hearing about it by now. However, it's been a week since we've talked, and over the weekend, I think Friday, the news came out that the NFL decided to have a little sidebar conversation with a particular individual, actually two of them, but one more newsworthy than the other. Colin Kaepernick finally settled his grievance with the NFL. We don't know how much it is. We'll probably never know how much it is, but... I know me for one, I could not listen to radio, any sports talk radio over the weekend and not have Colin Kaepernick be ever so consuming in every aspect of every show. That being said, there's got to be a lot of thoughts, feelings, and opinions on this one. And I, I got a lot to say about it, but Biggs, I'll go to you, man. Like, is this is this good? Bad for the league? Did is there a winner? Is there a loser? I mean, like, what what do you make of this whole situation? This entire chaos that's taken place over the entire Colin Kaepernick situation, going all the way back a couple years to when this first started. So I'll say this: coming from the family I've come from, from World War II on, I've had men who have fought and died for that flag, and they've been a part of my family, and that's something I've. Until you've had a folded flag handed to you, don't tell me what it feels like. Having said that, the reason those men fight for that flag is for what Colin Kaepernick did. The right that he had to do it because we are a free country. Okay? 
I just want to set this up because like I'm going to tell you, he's wrong and he's wrong at about 95 different levels. <laughs> the NFL won. This went on for two years. It was a black eye for the league. What does the NFL care about? They don't care about what happens on league. They don't care if any of us give a crap about the Saints and Rams and how the game ends. What they care about is off the field. Greg Hardy, Kareem Hunt, Colin Kaepernick. They were able to solve this without any disclosure coming out. The money they gave Kaepernick, they wiped their ass with it first. As far as the league is concerned, and the owners, they won. They won 10 times over. If I'm a Kaepernick supporter, I'm a little disappointed, and here's why. I've you know, you see these different things online over the last couple of days about how he had information that was really embarrassing to the NFL. He personally and Eric Reed, neither one of them, they don't need the money. Why did they not press the issue? The NFL PA had expected it to go to trial. They were surprised that there was a settlement involved. If I'm a Kaepernick supporter, I'm disappointed. He did not need this money. If it's $5 million or if it's $80 million, he didn't need it. I'm disappointed that someone who pushed to this point decided to settle when they didn't need the money. So I, I, I'm going to say a couple of things. Number one, I, I think you're, you're spot on when you talk about that. You know, I, I'm with you. I, I think to, to kneel for the flag, I'm not a fan of it. I, I think if you're trying to accomplish a point or get something across there, uh, you know, there, there's better ways to do it. That being said, if you want to talk about the effectiveness to try to create a conversation, now whether or not that conversation was effective or not, he definitely did that because it was all people wanted to talk about for the longest time. It finally wore thin and it got away from it a little bit, but it did create a buzz. You know, the, the whole origins of – and. And to be completely clear for anybody listening out there, this is three white guys talking about this situation. So I'm not going to act like I know what it's like to be on the other side, but I try to look at it through a pragmatic stance and just look at it for what it is. When you're a backup quarterback in a preseason game that lost your job to Blaine Gabbert and you're taking a knee, it does scream a little bit that I might be doing it for attention. Okay. That being said, he stuck to it. I'll give him all the credit in the world for what he felt convicted in he completely bought into what he was doing, and he did lose his ability to play football. Yes, he had diminished skills and things like that, but I'm telling you right now, the one thing that I get a little frustrated by is people want to talk about, yes, he was a backup quarterback. He did come off an injury. That was part of it. He's not as bad as what some people want to make him out for as far as what his talent is on the field. And you can pull up his stats and see that. Now, you can always make stats lie one way or the other, however you want to do it. But once he opted out of that deal with the Niners and he became a free agent, he was done. So I think what you have here is you have two different conversations on point. One is you have the calls. The calls was... I'm trying to stand up against police brutality and all that kind of stuff, right? That was the one thing. Then the other thing was what the case is where he filed the grievance with the NFL, which he was saying that they colluded with each other to to, to prevent him from playing in the NFL. I, I don't think the two are the same thing. He chose to be out of the league. Here's the thing. He had a team that was already supporting him when he was taking a knee with the Niners. Mutual option. He chose to go elsewhere. He manipulated this situation. Here's the thing. His talent doesn't match up to what people are making him out to be. 
I am very disappointed that people don't realize that. Watch the goddamn game. I mean, come on now. Now, is there a point that he was trying to make? Yes, I understand that. But he tried to make that point after he was already a multi-millionaire living in a gated community, rich, but risen by freaking affluent white people. Well, I, I never said that he was disenfranchised or that he was one of those people. And, and you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to be if you want to take up that cause. People can do whatever they want. It's his life. He can choose what he wants to do with it. I do have a little bit of a problem about doing that in a, in a setting where it's your employment. You know, if you want to do that stuff, and this is probably where my biggest criticism comes from Kaepernick, is... He's the most silent person you will find when it comes to a cause like this. While it's on the field where he's got an opportunity to take a knee, you hear about it all the time. But up until the Nike campaign, you don't hear him. You don't see him. He's secluded. He hides out. I'm just going to say thank you. That is my biggest problem with the entire campaign. That's my biggest problem with the last two or three years. If you want to go back years and years, Muhammad Ali's been in time in prison for well, not you, going you, to yeah, fight. You, you can't equate the two. They're two completely different. I know. I know. But here's what I'm saying. I heard directly from the source. Over these last few years, I've heard rumors of this, rumors of that. How many times has Colin Kaepernick come out in front of the camera and said, here's what I believe in. Here is what I am standing up for. Here is how I plan to proceed. He has not. That's what bothers me. He already had a contract with the Niners for millions of dollars. He opted out of after he had made millions of dollars. It just really, 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 really bothers me that a multimillionaire does this after he's already rich. It just it it throws the whole. I have a ton of respect for Martin Luther King Jr., how he was able to do what he did peacefully. Martin Luther King, we honor him. He has a day here. He should have more. Muhammad Ali, you look at Colin Kaepernick. When have I heard him speak? I have not. And it, it just, it bothers me as a human being. And you can judge me if you want to, because I'm a white man, but I don't really give a shit. <laughs> well, but I think what you're pointing out is to the, the bigger story is what, what are you doing to advance the calls other than create a conversation? Like everybody's excited about creating a conversation and, and without getting political, we're not even going to go down this road and talk about the, the semantics involved about what police brutality might entail or how, how a certain marginalized group is disenfranchised by the majority or anything like that. Look, I'm not saying some of those things don't happen. I understand we don't have a perfect society. There are things that happen. Sometimes it's, it's the norm. Sometimes it's the exception, but to sit out there and create the calls that you did and then to be silent the way you are. And then, and then wait. So the, here you, you asked, when does he talk about it? He talked about it the first time he was interviewed about why were you taking a knee? And he, he gave his explanation. That was what you got. You didn't hear anything else, but back to what we're talking about is him getting a settlement with the NFL, right? So the whole thing was about collusion. Now, the one thing I'm going to tell you is I don't think he could approve collusion. Like I, you know how hard, not just in this instance, but anywhere in life, how hard it is to prove something like collusion. But do you really think the owners had to text message or email each other and say, don't sign Kaepernick? I think he did a pretty good job of that himself, letting them know they're never going to do that. He... 
He didn't have to worry about them colluding with each other. He did all that himself. There's no way a single one of them was ever going to take a chance. That's the thing that bothers me the most. If you're Kaepernick, you're already a millionaire. You got money from the 49ers. You got money from the freaking Nike. You don't need the money. Why are you taking a settlement? Push it to court. See what is there. Even if you lose the settlement, what do you do? You pay lawyer fees at most. Push it. See what's there. Don't give up. That's what bothers me here. I took the money. Yay! Hey, Biggs, I'm going to stop you, man. Here's the deal. I, I agree with you to an extent. Yes, he took the money. Everyone on this podcast would have taken the money. Well, let's be real about it. But here's the deal. Where my opinion changes of Kaepernick is where he goes from here. He has to continue and, and do this cause. And I'm not saying give his whole uh, settlement away to charity because it, this was a collusion case, which they settled. But I feel like he needs to continue his cause if it feels like it's still an issue. So it's not him selling out completely until we see how he reacts going forward. See, but I, I'll even disagree with that. Because the, the point I was I was stating earlier is this case was never about the calls. This case was about because of his calls, the NFL, you know, I don't think they colluded, but collectively blackballed him. They weren't ever giving him a job again. And, and like, let's be honest, as far as his talent and ability, he deserved a job. He was better than some of the quarterbacks. Like, I, all I got to say is Nathan Peterman, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. As bad as Cap might have been on the downward spiral of it, he was never Nathan Peterman. He wasn't Josh Johnson getting called back into the league. I mean, you could have made a case for a lot of situations. Now, he, while he was never offered a contract, there was stories about the whole Castro shirt in Miami and the you know stuff with uh, Ray Lewis, Uncle Tom thing with his girlfriend. So, I mean, he didn't do himself any favors. Let's Let's not, you know ignore that completely but at the end of the day at the end of the day this was all this this whole settlement was all about his ability whether or not he could play in the nfl wasn't about you know police brutality or uh, minority rights or anything like that it was his personal money it was his opportunity to earn a living and i agree with you so it's because of the contract he missed out on yeah and that's what the settlement was for exactly so if he doesn't give another dime of it to charity like i don't even care because you know just like if if we would have all take out the semantics over what happened if we all would have done something stupid that wasn't illegal but the but our employer wouldn't pay us anymore, wouldn't give us a job, and you felt it was unfair. You have every right to to go through that option and try to recoup your income. The only difference is this happened on a stage where everybody can saw it, and and he he won the settlement. And now, now the question is, like what Biggie said earlier, was it eighty million? Was it five million? Like we don't know. And, and I'm telling you, whether or not you say the NFL was the winner or Kaepernick was the winner, like. Once you found out what the amount of the settlement was, that could change your entire perspective. And, and I agree with you. And, like, we all of us as fans, and we can't get it in our gut. We have to try to separate the issues at hand. We're not, we got the collusion issue. We have, you know, the kneeling issue. And they're not together. They're two separate issues. Right. So I guess the collusion issue, he won. Because, I mean, they settled, so uh, they didn't want to go to court. 
They didn't want uh, more dirty laundry to be aired, have a chance for that to happen. Like you said, we don't know if they could have proved anything or not, but they felt it was in their best interest to do what they did, and they chose to go that route. So, But here's my thing, though, as far as if he gets back in the NFL and he, and he continues to kneel, I feel like he needs to uh, you know, try to do a little more because other, just if you're just going to kneel and walk away, I don't think that's good enough. I think you need to try to – change behaviors i mean and to me even if you uh the police brutality issue you think it's an issue but i don't think wearing pig socks and a fidel castro shirt is the right way to go about (laughs) fixing it i mean you can disagree and that's fine but let's think of positive ways that we can go about to fix the problem and not try to keep stirring it up i agree with what you said like 110 percent. you have this platform you have made it a known issue, how do you follow it from this point on out? Are you going to continue to be silent, or do you become the face of a movement? And right now, to me, he's the name attached to a movement. I've not seen his face. I have not seen his statement. And to me, it's kind of a cowardly act to hide behind what other people say about you or what you are trying to do. It's a it, it's a fucking pussy move, to be honest well, with you. Here's where you're at, though. I mean, the, the kneeling in itself, I, I've spoke to several service members about it. I mean, you have the military background. I've spoke to friends and family that served in the military. And you're either you're either one hardcore way or you're the other way. So yeah. I've got... There's no middle ground. You've got half the group that's like, you know what? Screw him. We died for this. You know, you're disrespecting us and anyone who's died for our country. And then you have the other group who's saying, we have fought. Just so you this have is what we the freedom of speech to do what you're going to do. So, I mean, people's going to hate it or they're going to love it. But I feel like you can't stop with the kneeling. You've got to continue down that path until we see actual change, if that's what's needed. Hey, but but here's the thing. Like, how do you even measure that actual change? Like, I, I mean, it, it's such a such a loaded thing. And, and again, I, I don't think that we need to sit here and debate all the problems of society because this is a sports show after all. That's what we need to keep it I mean, as. Awareness. Awareness is but, a good thing. But awareness is always a positive thing. Like, and here's where I'll give Kaepernick credit. You know, he, he has donated money. He, he's given over a million dollars to charities, albeit some of them slightly questionable, and I'm not even going to bring up which ones. But – you know, at least he's putting his money where his mouth is for the most part. And, and whether or not he plays another down in the NFL or not, you know, he still has an opportunity to do something. He, what, you know, we said, is he a face or is he just attached to it? As of right now, he's still the face of a movement. It kind of started with him. Now, if he wants to make something out of it and have it do something for the better, then yeah, he's got to get more involved, you know, and look, I know what some of the the people that are pro Kaepernick are going to say. They're going to point out the things that he's done where he's not doing it for the publicity, where he's showing up to, you know, a homeless shelter in Baltimore and giving everybody, you know, three-piece suits, you know, including some of his own so they can go get job interviews and stuff like that. Look, that stuff's great, but you're a voice. Like, at a certain point, don't you have an obligation to go out there and say a little more and do a little bit more? And I think that's kind of where we're at with it. But at the end of the day, like there's already rumors about like he could sign with this team or that team. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that's thrown 72 touchdowns, only 30 interceptions, 
you know, he's never had a year where he's thrown more picks than interceptions. He's been a solid quarterback until the injury and then the the whole stuff that happened toward the end of his career with the 49ers. And and I could point to all the other problems that were there with uh, Mansoula and, and uh, uh, you know, Kelly taking over and all the problems that the Niners went through after Harbaugh, uh, you know, left. But here here's the thing. Is he ever going to play in the NFL again? Is that even a possibility? You know what I wonder about him playing in the NFL is a lot of times when you sign a non-disclosure agreement, uh, there's kind of what's in the agreement, right? Yeah. We never see each other kind of thing. I wonder if that was in there where, Hey, you know what? You're not going to win this case, but there's some things that could embarrass a little bit. So here we're going to give you this money and, uh, let's go our separate ways. You do what you want to with the money. Everybody's rumored about he's going to play for the Patriots. And I hear the Panthers Panthers is what I hear a lot. How how ironic would that be for half of the country that he's the backup for the Patriots and uh, Kraft and Tom Brady? I mean, that would be ironic, I would say, no matter what side you're on. (laughs) That's a weird thing, though, is he said he's not willing to be a backup. Well, let's be real. He's uh, He's not supplanting Tom Brady. Martyr or starter, baby. Martyr or starter. I think that he could be a backup quarterback in this league for sure. But with what you bring with you, it's just like when Tim Tebow was taking a knee. you got to be good enough to carry it. Michael Vick, he was good enough to not only kill dogs, but to be the guy who was the ringleader on killing dogs. It was his show. He earned I'm just saying. He was so talented that after two years in federal prison, he earned his second $100 million contract. So, is Colin Kaepernick so talented that he's going to get a contract better than his first one after he comes back? And I, I don't think so. I and, and you're right well, about that, but that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of my point I'll about go, him getting I'll another go. chance, though, right? Because if if Vic was able to get that second chance, you know. Is Kaepernick that bad where he doesn't get a second chance? Like, are you just sim- simply saying he's that bad of a quarterback, or do you acknowledge the fact that he was on just an absolute garbage team and was hurt? Well, what I think is that at his best moment, he was on a completely loaded team with a head coach who was a former quarterback. Um, do I think that he is not good enough to be in the NFL as one of the best 64 quarterbacks? No, he is. Do I think he's one of the top 12 or 15, which is what a lot of people have made him out to be because of this? No way in hell. Like, no way in hell, man. Give me a break. So elsewhere in the NFL, probably the only other really news of note story outside of the AAF staying solvent from a gift from – Carolina Panthers owner, what's his not, name? Not the Panthers, the Hurricanes. Sorry. The, it was a hockey. Yeah, you hockey. Got, my you bad. got NHL coming in to save your dysfunctional football league. So Was it $250 million? 200, And now he gets to be the chairman and president of the league? Yes. I mean, that's, that's buying your way to the top no, but, right there. Uh, could, before you go any further, how? I mean, how, what kind of planning went into this league if, if after week one you can't even make payroll? You know who's looking really good right now? Vince McMahon. Because he waited a year. He's trying to get it all figured out. And he invested $500 million. So if uh, the owner of the Hurricanes throws in 250 and they give him the whole barn, then 
Maybe they got a chance next year. I'm going to say this. I get chills. I bet he got chills, too, when he heard the news that they couldn't even make payroll. I, I mean, over, oh. over the loudspeakers, I just heard in my head, no chance. No chance in hell you've got. Because he's going to walk out there strutting and be like, y'all call yourselves a football league? You know, where's the money at? My my favorite video is the just the thing of Vince McMahon sitting in the chair getting – you know, slowly excited, one step at a time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I could just see him like, the AAF is low on funds. And he's like, oh, they may not make payroll. Oh, <laughs> he's just getting more excited. But then, you know, they kind of got bailed out. But, you know, it's secondary football. It's not really that important. But it's interesting to see that the their planning beyond the AAF was so bad that they couldn't even make it out of the second week. I mean, but it's like, is it just like, like, me and you out there, like random guys out there just saying, let's start up a football league and we don't have enough for payroll after week one? It's like that movie with Keanu Reeves, right? The Replacements. How's that even happen, though? These are supposed to be like football minds. Let's make a league for the developmental league for the NFL. We can't even make payroll? You think the NFL would step in and be like, boys, let's help you because you guys <laughs> suck pretty bad. No, nah, we'll just give you access to our practice squad players. That's the only help you get. I mean, you know what? At this rate, we're going to have to buy – you know, several more Birmingham Iron Shirts just to help the cause. <laughs> I mean, we, we, <laughs> something. I think Memphis is struggling. Didn't you see their attendance? They had like three people show up. Yeah, you said uh, attendance. So, like, it went from like, what was it? The first, the viewership the first week? It, each, it was in the threes. You and know. then. This week it was like six hundred and sixty thousand. Yeah, it was like a point six. You know, so, so it's that it's that that you know swoon effect is something new and exciting. Everybody watched the first week and then they're like, Oh, you know, we see the highlights. This is really cool. That quarterback got killed and you know, there was a there was a couple nice plays again this past weekend, but you know, outside of watching the highlights, I can tell you right now, I'm not sitting down to watch a game. I didn't watch anything this weekend. I mean, you know, I just <laughs> the buzz wore off quickly. <laughs> it it did. And uh, you know what? I wish the league the best of luck in the world, but I don't think it's going to matter. I really think it was just desperate football fans watching at week one. They're like, man, did y'all see that action? That was good action. And then in the back of their mind, they're like, this is shitty action. But they wouldn't they wouldn't let themselves convince themselves of that. I don't, don't, know. don't be surprised if next week we don't hear that the playoffs are starting now. Uh, I can see that. Like, <laughs> got to wrap it up, boys. All 2-0 teams, you get a bye. <laughs> So now that you invested $250 million from your hockey team, what do you get? Now where does the chairman go from here? He's going to relocate the Birmingham team to Raleigh. It's it's terrible. I I don't know. Well, if if you want some exciting, legitimate NFL news, uh, Antonio Brown is the guy that just won't go away. No, no. It's not Antonio Brown or AB. uh, Wait, wait. It's Chess Daddy or what is it? Mr. Big Chess. Mr. Big Chess, that's what it is. Uh, if uh, anyone has Instagram, it's easy to find Antonio Brown. I don't watch most of his videos, but I swear about every 45 minutes, he's gone live on Instagram. And they're saying that, like, which good reason, all these NFL teams right now are scared to death of even talking about a trade because his social media presence is so awkward and so bizarre that these teams don't know what the hell's going on with him with, between that and his 
his bleach blonde mustache <laughs> and his his bare chest showing, and he's just walking on the treadmill, just like telling the teams, "I don't want your team if it's full of drama." You know, I just want to come out there and get my stats. Call me up, and they're just like, "What the hell is wrong with him?" I think he did refer to his contract as needing to be no none of that. Ain't no unguaranteed contract here or whatever. I don't know. He's hard to listen to sometimes. <sighs> so yeah, he's definitely hurting his value, right? I mean, like. I mean, you somebody's going to pay him. Somebody always does because he's a talent. But you know, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. So I guess he met with uh, Art Rooney uh, Jr. today, right? Yeah, and a bunch of other people, you know, allegedly. But you know that that basically just ended was. Hey, we all mutually agree you need to go somewhere else. Let's part the go separate ways after that conversation. Yeah, I mean, how does he go from? To me, it seemed like just a uh, you know a professional, you know, getting the stats and for fantasy purposes, a, like a top three, top five pick year after year, like stats wise, putting up the numbers, probably the top one or two receivers in the league, and now you can't even get a first rounder for this guy. I'm hearing second, third rounder, even just to start the talks. Well, because you know wherever he goes is probably not going to last. Well, he's age 31, I think. Well, it's not even that. I, I think whatever team he gets traded to, there's no way it's his last team. Correct. Like, he, he's going to end up somewhere else because that marriage is going to fall apart, and plus his contract will end, and nobody's going to re-sign him because he's going to think he's worth the world. The The thing about Antonio Brown is, you know, you, you saw him. He was down at NBA All-Star Weekend, right? And he is the guy – in the NFL right now that is looking around at leagues like the NBA and seeing how much the players get and how much control they have. And it's a little different when you're only on a 12-man roster versus 53. So let's make that clear. But he sees all these all the FaceTime the NBA guys get, and he's like, well, I need that. And I swear, I think he's addicted to fame. I think that's what it comes down to. Well, you saw the picture of him and and, and uh, Anthony Davis together. Oh uh, yeah. Who takes advice from who in that group? <laughs> I know, right? Like yeah, that's uh, two uh, young up and coming talents trying to talk about how they're making really terrible decisions. Let me let me introduce you to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it can be. Oh, I mean, like that's that's just it's out of control, man. And like these. How do they not understand they're doing nothing but hurting themselves? So, like, if he literally just went to the front office in Pittsburgh and said, I want out and not said a damn word, he would, they'd be getting a first rounder right now and he'd already been out of Pittsburgh. But he can't, he can't put the phone down. He's worse than Donald Trump. Yeah, you're, you're true. I mean, you're you're accurate on that. Like, I bet his Super Bowl tweets for the, uh, (laughs) was over six for sure. Yeah, what was he over under there? And if you combine Instagram and Facebook and who knows what, God knows how high he was. He's a hot dozen, I bet. Uh, he, He, and, you know, he's always had a glimpse of this. Like we've seen, you know, the it, when you show up to preseason and spring tr- or spring ball or, or fall camp or whatever I'm trying to say, when you show up for the workouts and you're, you know, doing the helicopter and the Ro- Rolls Royce, you know, it's just kind of flashy. Nobody makes too big a deal out of it. But then when you start looking at, you know, him going Facebook Live in the locker room, you know, after a playoff game, right? Or was that a playoff game? Might have been regular season, but either way, he went live in the locker room. You know, he's created a distraction as a teammate professional teammate how would that make you feel i'm i'm upset like i'm upset that you're that's 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 a sanctuary to us right absolutely that stays in the locker room that's us nobody gets to see that and and you're exposing it like that and you know nothing bad or or, or negative came out of that i mean it was a pretty professional setting but still that was their sanctum i mean here's the thing like imagine like like if, if if anybody goes out just personally in a social setting, right? And now you're always at the mercy of social media. Just 
Fran's hanging out, right? I think common courtesy is always like, hey, do you mind? I'm going to put this on social media, you know, because you're included. You know, you have that, and then times at times, like, millions of viewers, and now the NFL spotlight's on it. So, yeah, I'd be really pissed off. Yeah, he's kind of like one of those people that go into Walmart, and they're denied the return, so they they start videotaping, like, the clerk at Walmart. I'm putting this on social media. You know? Yeah. That's Antonio Brown. He's doing that to everybody. But it, it, what it comes down to, though, I swear he's a game stop. It's ma'am. It's all about how he can get more fame. You know, there's a reason why he does stuff like this, why he does the Instagram the way he does, why he does Twitter the way he does, why he goes on, you know, dancing with the stars or, or uh, the mass singer. I mean, Dancing with the Stars was probably his best moves I've seen, but I mean, he should have just left it at that. Did you see him on the mass scene? Oh, that too. Yeah, he mean, has got I, some moves. I, I mean, he's doing what he can to put himself out there. And he can't quit. And yeah, he, he's addicted to that fame. And the thing is, like, society will continue to eat it up. So, we said last week where we think he's going to go, right? I have no idea now. I mean, <laughs> I think he's going to go to San Fran or Oakland, and I'm, I'm, and I'm an Oakland fan. And I don't want him even anywhere near the Raiders. Like, I mean, it, Jerry, Rice, Jerry Rice, if you're trying to mentor this guy and help him out, you are doing a shitty job. Good luck, bud. I mean, it has gone bad. It went south quick. I hope they're paying you good. And and, and he, you know, he's still going to be a great talent on the field. But at the – this is the – I'll say this. I'll take it a step further. If Jerry Rice finds a way to mentor this guy and get his head back on straight, he's padding his stats for the greatest ever even more in retirement. <laughs> There's no more Mount Rushmore. There's just one. Just Jerry they, Rice. They just – Times times four. They'll make him like the Sphinx. Yeah. That's They'll put is. him with the Raiders, the Seahawks, and the Niners and just <laughs> leave the other one blank. His college team. <laughs> Mississippi Valley State. There you go. That's it. But uh, – so – if you're if you're a team looking to bring Antonio Brown in, this is this is the thing you got to look at because if anything was a team sport, we know it's football. You know, wide receiver is not going to win on its own, and we've just come off where you know he got he he quit on his team at the end of the year. Like he he wasn't showing up for practice. I don't know if everybody knows how the story went down, but his agent Drew Rosenthal or whatever his name is calls Mike Tomlin and says. Yeah, we're gonna play this week, and, and Mike Thomas like, well, that that's not how this works. You know, he can come talk to me. Which you know, kudos to Mike Tomlin, who clearly had lost control of this locker room anyway, but at least trying to do the right thing here. But Antonio Brown don't he doesn't work for Mike Tomlin. I mean, we know who's in control of that situation. Just like Ben Roethlisberger don't work for Mike Tomlin. We've seen him throw people under the bus left and right. Now we saw Antonio Brown come. He clapped back, right? He went after Roethlisberger, threw him on the bus every every single day he could the past week. And you combine all those shenanigans, all the stuff we just talked about in the past, him not showing up in week 17 when they still had a chance to make the playoffs, and and just like not showing up for the team meetings, not showing up for the practices, and everybody's saying, well, it's because he wasn't going to play. So that's your teammate, though. He doesn't want to come support. He's not even going to show up at the facility to be around your team. So is he a guy that will help you win next year? <laughs> There's so many variables. I don't know. It depends on him. If he wants to play ball and, and do the right thing, yes. If he's going to bring the drama like Kardashians, then no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You don't know. That's why everybody's so scared right now. 
Are all the Kardashians married right now? I don't know. I think uh, actually I heard that uh, Tristan Thompson and uh, I think what's her name? I don't know. The, the thicker one. The thickest one. Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. They separated today and broke up. All so right. they might actually. Uh, A, B, and Chloe. I'm so going to yeah. call it right now. So, but Tristan Thompson, you know, I think his career is automatically revitalized <laughs> as of this moment. I don't know. Uh, Chris Humphreys was still struggling from his. That's true. Uh, why are we talking about this? <laughs> but she scarred that man for life. Uh, he was he was a wreck. Anyway. I mean, it is what it is, Chad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, A, B. Good luck, brother. And uh, man, since you're on Instagram so much, why don't you follow us back? So that way, you know, we can share followers, right? I'm sure we can benefit each other. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so put a picture of him on there and do some tagging and see if he'll tag back or if that's how it even works. I don't know. Antonio Brown, if you follow us on Instagram, since you're most active on there, we will both dye mustaches blonde and be unified with your calls to find a new team. That's That's a good deal. There we go. Well, the NBA All-Star Weekend was a thing that happened since the last time we talked, so did you even bother to watch it? Did you watch the skills competition, three-point dunk contest, whatever? Did I mean, did you engage in the festivities from the All-Star Weekend? I missed the uh, skills competition. I did see the three-point shootout. I saw the dunk contest, and I watched about three-quarters of the All-Star game. That was that was about a quarter more than I watched. Biggs, did you watch any of it at all? Yeah, I happened to be at B-Dubs with my boys, and we were watching the uh, Saturday night festivities, which were fairly entertaining. Uh, Sunday for the game, I maybe watched uh, a quarter's worth of it. It's glorified pickup ball till the fourth quarter. Well, real quick, because I was talking to Mr. Brown about this the other day. Did you see the end of the skills competition? The half court shot from Tatum. Yeah, was it was it him? It was it uh, Trey Young? Is that who he was against? Uh was it? Yeah, it might have been Trey Young. But like, so he had him beat by a mile, right? It was uh, it was over if he didn't shoot it from where where he was at. I mean, he's going in for a layup, and then all of a sudden. Tatum just chucks up this half-court shot in desperation, and as he is shooting the layup, that half-court shot reigns in right before the layup does. It was unbelievable. Well, it's a layup for Trey Young. It's supposed to be a a, a three-point shot, but Tatum hit it from 15 feet further out. It was impressive. I mean, that's When Tatum raised that trophy, he did say the Celtics would be in the finals this year. Yeah, he he did. He had to get that out there. Um, it ain't happening. It's probably not happening. They're they're dysfunctional mess. But all right, dunk contest. He he jumped over Shaq, right? What Dialis? Is that how you say it? Yeah. But like, don't you take points off for the fact that he put his hand on his shoulder he to really, go over? He really didn't push on him like he didn't push on him like the other dude that jumped over D Wade. I guess, but I I don't know. I I I think you get. A little bit more style points for for not touching him at all. I mean, it it was a weak dunk contest all the way across the board. They gave I think Dennis Smith Jr. a fifty after he attempted like ten dunk attempts, dunks, yeah. and he and he finally got the dunk, and they're like fifty points. I'm like, this is god awful. Like this is unwatchable TV at this point. Well, the best dunk of the weekend didn't happen in the in the dunk contest. Correct. It happened during the All Star game. With a little bounce pass, uh, not really a little bounce pass, but Curry slams the ball on the ground and Giannis goes up and 
you know, 15 feet in the air, grabs the ball and throws it down. I mean, that, that was pretty damn impressive. I don't care who you are. That was the highlight of the weekend. What was the final of the game? Like 321 to 299? No, it actually settled, <laughs> it, 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 it settled down because they actually started playing defense on the fourth quarter, which is crazy to me if they had played defense the whole game, but they don't. But it was actually like 168 to like 150-something, I think. Or no, maybe 170-something to 160-something. 168, 154 or there something you, like there, that. There you go. That's what it was. It wasn't too bad. Like, I would love – for like just one time. I like the format. I like how they do the the, the draft for it and all that stuff. It's like stuff. a pickup game. It's interesting, you know, and, and like you hear all these stories about the Rucker Park game that never happened. Like this is the closest you get right. to that. You get all these guys like picking their boys and, you know, this was uh, LeBron trying to draft the future Lakers, right? Like we, we were pretty clear that was what was happening there. But team recruit. At one point, wouldn't it be fun to see one of these teams come out and just say, you know what, screw it, we're going to play all-out defense. And, like, just try. And the other team would be taken so off, like, just like, what are they doing? Why are they – like, just go draft a bunch of defensive guys and see what happens. I mean, I honestly mm-hmm. like not really the defensive perspective, but I like the way that – I don't know if it was on purpose or the way LeBron recruited his future Laker teammates, but – I like the way Giannis recruited a lot of the first-time All-Stars because they were going to be hungrier to make a mark for themselves. Um, they they controlled that whole game until the very end, and then they just lost it in the fourth quarter. So the MVP, who was the MVP? I believe it was uh, it was Durant, right? Durant. And he had, he had what, 30, 35 points? 31, I 31. think. 31. I mean, he, he went off. But, like, how many people scored more than 20? There was a few, several, several. Middleton from the Bucks surprised me. He probably made like eight threes. That dude was making everything. Well, when you're wide open and you're not working that hard on defense and you got your lungs, it ain't that hard, yeah, I guess, for these guys. He was hitting everything. Well, the thing gets me about the game overall is we talk a lot of times about shooters and how the game has changed. And, you know, Larry Bird didn't shoot three threes a game in his career. I bet you Larry Bird in his highest season of three-point attempts – didn't shoot as many as they shot in that game. There was like 167 three-point attempts between the two teams. God, was it that high? In one game. Yeah. I mean, double-check it, but it was... Like, is that even that fun the for the fans at that point? In 160s combined. Like, it's like I would see people pass up a layup just to throw it out for someone to hit a three. Like, like look, I, I know these exhibitions, they aren't that fun. You know, we know the NFL's a mess. You know, we talked about baseball, how great it would be is if they just go back to abolishing interleague play and then the All-Star game, regardless of the World Series home field advantage implication, would be awesome. Yeah, but the All-Star game is way better than any at, uh, All-Star at event. The period. baseball one, right? Oh, yeah, because, like, you got pitchers coming in for one inning. They're like, I'm striking out the side. And y'all can sit your asses down. Yeah, I mean, and they, and they, they have pride because, like, when the last the last All Star game, it was like tight, man. It was low scoring, yeah, it's and always then, like two to one, and, three to two. Well, it wasn't last year, but it was until like the seventh yeah, inning, typically. Yes. And then, but then, like, it just all of a sudden, people got hot there at the end, and and you're running out of pitchers. But you know, the the thing is, like, you could make the baseball All Star game even better if they would go back to out was before interleague play, right? Because then. You do have a little bit more pride. Mystique. You too. have it's the it's the two separate leagues that never play each other, so we got to show each other up. 
With basketball, I don't know if you can fix it. And some people tell you it doesn't need fixed. It is what it is. But like, I, I, as I've as I've gone through social media over the past week, because it's All Star Weekend, you get all these things that pop up that this happened on this year, this happened on this year, and like I'm watching the end of the games, they're in the low 100s. Like it'd be 103 to 101. Like yeah, when you have All Stars, you expect to score more points. But these guys would play defense. No, but dude, like last, like the the last few years. There was one year it got up to like almost 200 points a piece. It was like 190 to like 180, high 180s. I mean, don't That's you- how bad it got. But here's here's where I'm at, but real quick. When we play, we've played several pickup games together, right? Sure. We we, we draft captain style teams or even yeah. make your free, you throws, free throws, whatever. That you got your team and your team's your team, no matter how bad or how good you think your team right. is. You roll with it. Where is the pride on a national spotlight to say, you know, this is our team, like especially Giannis and LeBron, which Giannis came out a little more hungry than LeBron did. But like, where's your pride to say this is my team, and we're gonna like run your ass into the ground on national spotlight? Yeah, like like show that that killer instinct, that edge, and and just say to because you know how many things did you see after the game where people were like, it's still not Giannis's NBA, it's still not his, it's still LeBron's. Yeah, Imagine right. if he came out and like made a statement though. Well, I mean, but, like, how hard is it for them just to come out and say, you know, have the mindset, like, when he drafted his team and we talked before the game, you know, because let's be real, the coaches aren't even calling plays. It's just the, let the captains do their thing and be like, we're going to come out and we're going to play defense. We're going to lock these guys down. I want to beat these guys by 40. Yeah. Don't let them score over 100. How hard is it? Where's the prize? Somebody break Kobe Bryant's nose again. That's the thing. If they had that pride from uh, the opening tap, they could win by 30 or 40. But nobody in the All-Star game wants to play defense till the last five minutes. And and it's, it's almost like, and this drives me insane, the, the, the younger fans out there, and you're going to get pissed off by this statement, but I really don't care. What happened to the competitive advantage and the competitive just fire amongst players playing each other? Like, I feel like now... They're all buddies. They're they're shaking hands. They're hugging before the game, after the game, during the game, and it's more about your buddies than I, oh I don't want to embarrass my buddy. You know I just I'm gonna save face here and let's make it a competitive game and everybody wins and we'll all go to lunch or go to dinner and drink our red wine. But I want I want the guys back in the day that just runs them into the ground and be like I'm the best player out here on the floor there's not a damn thing you can do about it i'll tell you where it went it went with ray allen to the celebrity game (laughs) he showed up and tried to win but no like even like it 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 pisses me off though but that's in general it's not just that it's not just the all-star game it's kind of how the nba is turned and and like what's funny is like like barkley and jordan are friends right yeah but like go back and watch them playing against each other I mean, they were nasty with each other. Like LeBron would go have meals and drinks with his freaking enemies in the finals. Well, do you think that that's because this year's enemies are tomorrow's teammates? Exactly, <laughs> you're absolutely right. But do you see the '93 Barkley and Jordan going out to eat after the like in Phoenix? Oh, then let's go to we'll go somewhere in Chicago when we go to Chicago. Jordan's Steakhouse. It's it's <laughs> oh, it drives me nuts. No, and that's the thing is it, well, it's it's become more about the brand than about the game. There's a rumor about Jordan and Barkley in the 93 finals where 
Jordan takes Barkley out to golf before the series begins. It's either before the series begins or when it switches from uh, Phoenix to Chicago. Treats him real nice, buys him like a $20,000 earring. They interview Jordan later, and they're like, why would you do this during the finals against him? Blah, blah, blah. And Jordan's like, ah, that fat fuck likes me. He won't touch me again. Jordan goes out and scores like 43 a game in the next three games. Why am I bringing this up? The guys know each other back then? Yes, they did. They still wanted to just kill each other. Nowadays, everybody's buddy-buddy. It's like you just said. Let's go out and have a fun competitive game with some dunks, and everybody has fun, and then we'll go drink some red wine, and we'll eat some fine meat. We'll stay away from the carbs. Like, come on, guys. How was that? <laughs> you, tur- <laughs> you turned Irish on me there. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. <laughs> That's the hottest take of the night. The fine meat, you say. <laughs> uh, I think I'll have the haggis. <laughs> All right. Before, no it's off the rails. We talked about the game, but we skipped over the uh, three-point shootout. Any surprises there? Well, I mean, I think everyone thought Curry was going to win, right? Even Del Curry was like, I want my other boy to win something because you always win everything. You're like the <laughs> yeah. neglected child here, and I want you to win something for once and show me you're not a failure. That's pretty hard. Joe Harris, he's like <laughs> the three points you had out. Who know that he was even in the NBA yeah, who's, before the three points you had out? Joe Harris. I'll say this. I love Joe Harris because – I have him on a fantasy team, and he had 12 threes in his last two games before the break. Is that Dale Harris's son? Absolutely not. He was probably kind of out of it was. He was trying to show Dale Harris. He also was not a failure. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be between uh, Steph Curry, Buddy Heald, and uh, who's the other surefire guy in there? I know Clay wasn't in it, right? No, Clay wasn't in it. Uh, Dirk had a decent showing, but he didn't hit uh, last. He, he, had, he hit like one rack really hard. And then yeah. Everything else was spotty. I thought it was going to be between Buddy Heald and uh, Damon Lillard was in there. Lillard was in there. And then uh, Steph Curry. But uh, Joe Harris, I love that. It was awesome. Well, you know what? Usually, like, if you go back to the 90s and whatnot, you had some random, you know, three-point contest winners in there. Along with the dunk contest, too. You know, Baby Jordan, Harold Miner. Yeah. The dunk contest Brent was Barry. pathetic. I mean, like, they had so many nobodies in there. It was sad. And, and Dialis is like, I'm challenging Zion next year when he's in the league. I, he beat me in high school, and I want to face him in a rematch in a dunk competition. Like, nobody cares. No, that's fine. Put them two in there. Put the Greek freak in there, and then put um, uh, Donovan in there. I think they should make LeBron do one before he retires. He's done one before. He's never did one. He's not? Oh, he hasn't. Never. The only thing LeBron's ever participated in is the freaking skills challenge. He has said publicly, you want to see me dunk, show up to the games early. You know what's funny is that Jordan did the dunk contest. Irving did it. Dominique did it. Kobe did it. Vince Carter did it. You know who never did it? LeBron. You got to have a tampon too big for that (laughs) weekend. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Why are you on your head? Hey, you know what? We're rated explicit, but for all our family listeners, I will go back and make sure your F-bombs are edited to a quality beep. I mean, just beep them out, and it's good material. Yeah, it'll be all right. You're on fire there. Don't don't be depressed. No, well, but it's, it's just, true. It's true. We want Zion. Man up. 
bring what you got to bring and see what you can do. All these other greats, they've done it. Some have won it, some have lost. Well, now his excuse is he's too yeah. old, right? No, he's too old now. Hey, real quick, though. Yeah. He's we, fat now. We were right talking. now, he's fat. <laughs> he's fat. But like, he's like too right now. I don't think he's fat. For his standard, for his standards, he's fat. I'm good on my rest, standards. He's definitely not fat. He's like he's Greek god. Yeah. Well, he's like six eight. Yeah. No, LeBron, his his body, it's unreal. I'll say that. It's he's start, just it's, it's starting to break down though. He is a physical just anomaly. You you're that size, that athletic for that long. How do you not fall apart? Is what and maybe that's starting now, but when you think about it, when has LeBron ever been injured where it's like, oh my God, this is gonna change his game and who he is? It's never happened. The guy's well, that, that's because a hard foul is a flagrant now. You know, he 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 gets that. It's I, I liken LeBron's uh longevity to the quarterbacks in the NFL nowadays. This is the end. It's a <laughs> no, good analogy. Hey, he's seriously this year is the year it's gonna start to break down because the West is a whole nother ball game in the East. You saw it in the all-star game. The alpha male stood up. LeBron was not one of them. The Greek freak was the main guy. Durant won the MVP. Steph Curry tried to impose his will. His shot wasn't falling. That is what it is. But LeBron did not impose his will on anybody. He didn't look like a top five player in the NBA. He was passive, and he wasn't the same level as Durant or the Greek freak, and it wasn't close if you watched the game. I'm with you. I'm calling it, outside of the exhibition game, just calling it this year, this is the final year that this is LeBron's NBA. This is this is the last I'm year. I'm say it again because y'all missed it. This I, is the end. Yeah, I heard it. First time. I thought you were going to keep going. The uh, end of an era. <laughs> Who steps up next? Wow. Uh, you don't know the doors, do you? I do. Kind of. <laughs> I a different dimension. You know how there's that's, multiple. That's two doors different. references tonight. Is it? What was oh. Break on through the other side. So did you do that? Did that early. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Live in different dimensions. I, I'm gonna say this real quick. I won on a drawing from 100.9 to mix uh, a door CD, and it was like it was amazing. So I could play it over and over and over. What did What did we learn today? So we learned that the NBA is no longer LeBron's, right? Or this is the, this is the end. Yes, we learned this is not the NBA of LeBron, and we also learned that winter needs to end in Canada because Biggie is drunk as hell, and he can't take it anymore. Yes, we have a lot of editing to do in the podcast, so hopefully by the time you get to this section of the show, it's been cleaned up for you. We also learned that Antonio Brown is a loose cannon. He's like Brian Pillman. No, it's Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big Chest. We also learned that uh, the uh, the NHL might be better than the AAF, (laughs) and that... uh, quarter of a billion dollars yeah that that can buy you a league yes. uh if you're into semi-professional football and um we also learned that bryce harper is about to be a very rich man because machado just got paid but we he all think he's the bar get baby more. yeah even even though mr brown thinks he's only gonna make about a dollar more i was kidding but he's gonna be higher 350, I'm telling you. Cesaro, they're talking about the bar and Vice Harper. They're all buddies right now. <laughs> uh, I love your randomness and how you jump around. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brown, Canadian Biggie, have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next time. Peace.